Hey y'all, and welcome back to the Emix Podcast. On this podcast, we talk to the latest producers, artists, and industry professionals. On this episode, we talk to my good friend, Another Monster, and we go deep into the topics of starting your own YouTube channel, creating great music using FL Studio stock plugins, and learning what your followers want to optimize your brand. Are you looking to get your song professionally mixed and mastered for an extremely affordable price? Then emix.com has your back. For only $39.99 a month, you can get your song professionally mixed and mastered to industry standards. If you want more info on our plans and pricing, head over to emix.com to learn more. If you like what you hear on this episode, remember to subscribe for more exclusive content. And as always, we hope you enjoy the show. You are now listening to the Emix Podcast. Yo, what's up, y'all? I'm Zach. And this is your boy, DC. And we got another monster in the building. What is up, dude? Welcome. What up, what up? What up, what up, guys? Thanks so much for having me. I appreciate it. Hell yeah, man. It's an absolute pleasure. Um, we're going to jump straight into this. Um, so just tell everybody who you are, how you got into music, and how you got to where you are today. That is a very long story. Uh, first of all, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so my name is David, aka Another Monster. Uh, I run a YouTube channel, Another Monster Productions, which is the main thing that I do with music now. And it's it's mainly a lot of production tutorials. Um, so I do production tutorials mostly within FL Studio, uh, mm. but a lot of sound design type stuff as well. Um, and the main focus of my channel right now is just to, it's, it's more geared towards beginner producers, but I, I try and do it in a way where, you know, a lot of people get sucked into the trap of thinking that they need to like buy all these expensive plugins all sorts of crazy gear in order to make really good music. And I don't think that's necessarily the case. Mm. So that's what I'm trying to do with my channel is, you know, a lot of stock FL studio plugins and then a lot of free plugins, stuff like that. Um, and just trying to, trying to give out the knowledge for free, man, uh, to, to producers out there. So that's my main focus now, as far as getting into music, um, it goes all the way back to pretty much as far as I can remember. I think I started playing piano when I was about five. Oh, wow. My mom's actually a music teacher. So mm. she had me, you know, listening to classical stuff at probably since I was in her belly. Uh, <laughs> and then, so all my life growing up, you know, I've just had that musical background. And um, I grew up doing music and then I grew up playing baseball. And that was like pretty much my whole childhood and my life. And then when I was in high school, I decided to go ahead and drop baseball and just pursue music as like my main passion and thing that I wanted to do. So um, that's, I guess, kind of the short, short synopsis of, of my, my background and what brings me to where I am now. Very cool, man. Nice. So were your parents pretty supportive when you decided to drop like the baseball thing and just do music full time? Yeah, my parents have always been super supportive of, you know, my musical endeavors and um, pretty much, I mean, you know, they, as, as supportive as parents can be, I feel like, um, right. given, given, you know, the, I, you know, you know how parents are with like, when you're going into the artistic uh, realm, they, mm -hmm. they can be a little bit, a little bit wary and a little bit hesitant to right. kind of, for you to pursue that. But yeah, no, they've been super supportive as far as, as far as that goes. That's awesome. So, uh, when was the first time you got into FL Studio? So, I first got into FL Studio, actually, like, I remember it really well. I was 14 years old. Uh, back then, I was playing a lot of 
in, in like a lot of metal bands and stuff. Mm. Um, but I was hanging out with a friend of mine who was actually a friend that was not a music friend. He was just one of my really good friends growing up. And we were at his brother's apartment who his brother had just gotten this apartment. Like I, I, well, I was 14. So his brother must've been like probably, I guess, 18 or something. So just got his own apartment. We went over there. They started watching Anchorman. And, <laughs> but his friend was showing me, uh, well, his friend had just showed me FL Studio. And this was back when FL Studio was like FL Studio 5. Oh, so wow. I, um, okay. he like showed it to me and like gave me some headphones. And I just like went in the other room and was just like programming beats, like messing around in FL Studio while they were watching Anchorman in the other room. And like just, I was just like in there by myself, just messing with it. And then uh, after that, uh, I ended up getting the getting the software. And you know, for for several years after that, I just kind of messed with it, like making really crappy like hip hop beats and stuff, mm. uh, and like tech, like kind of. Well, I guess you could call it techno stuff. I didn't even I don't even know what genre you call it. It's just bad. <laughs> um, but then uh, a few years later, I actually you know got serious about music production and and started really really diving into it. So you started out with like hip hop beats and I know you make a lot of like cool electronic music stuff now. What was the transformation over to that? And is that your main genre now or do you still dabble in hip hop beats and other genres as well? So right now I actually have transitioned back more into like pop, hip hop, uh, still definitely EDM influenced stuff, um, but, mm -hmm. but mainly pop stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, so I work with couple artists in Atlanta and I've kind of taken a backseat from working with them uh, as much now uh, because my main focus, like I said at the beginning has been, you know, the YouTube channel and that that's really my main, that's where I spend most of my time with, with music production nowadays. Um, but the other thing that I'm, I'm really working on and kind of working on behind the scenes is trying to build up uh, kind of a beat store online where, you know, I have, beats that I can make and sell to artists and stuff like that. So, mm. so that's kind of the next step for me, uh, probably moving into next year. So, so, so on, on, on FL, um, I, I mean, I know you make all different types of genres, but as a program, as a DAW, what do you think is the strong point? So you think is the pop sound, the EDM sound, the hip hop and R&B sound? Like, like, what do you think that FL's core um images for like for production well it's kind of hard to answer that question because i honestly i'm not the best at um i haven't experimented really with other other daws enough to be mm -hmm. able like i like i you know i've messed with ableton i've messed with logic and i've messed with reason but for like five minutes each so mm -hmm. I, I don't know like I, I don't know enough of the differences between all the different daws to be able to like fully answer that question um but I do know that, I mean, a couple of things I do like about FL Studio. Number one, uh, if you if you decide you want to go the FL route and get FL Studio, you get lifetime unlimited free updates, which is great. Oh, that's sick. But, yeah, other, okay. other DAWs, I wish able yeah, to other do DAWs don't, don't offer that. So that's, that's kind of a big bonus. Um, another big thing is just that FL Studio, like I, I don't think people realize how powerful some of the stock synths that come with FL Studio are. Mm -hmm. uh, and just, I mean all their stock plugins. I mean, pretty much any DAW has this, but, um, you know, people don't really take advantage of the, the, the stock plugins and, and what they can do as much as uh, if you just learn how to actually use them, then you can get a lot done just inside so, FL Studio. So what are some of those stock plugins and uh, what are your favorite features of those? 
So one of the uh, one of the uh, plugins that I do a lot of tutorials on is Citrus, mm-hmm. and um, yeah. which is a synth. Yeah. And the so this synth in particular is actually super complex. Um, I wouldn't necessarily recommend it as a first synth for beginners who are trying to get into sound design. Uh, but the reason I started doing tutorials within Citrus is kind of because of like popular demand, I guess. Hmm, um, right. So people people were hitting me up, you know, I, I kind of got like, I don't want to say boxed into doing sound design tutorials, but it's, it's kind of how my channel like took off. I was doing, you know, all sorts of different types of tutorials and people started really gravitating towards like the stock FL studio sound design type tutorials. Mm-hmm. Um, so because I was growing an audience doing that, I, uh, I just kind of kept doing that. So people wanted citrus tutorials and that's what I do a lot of. Um, so, <clears throat> excuse me, another, another plugin within FL studio that I've done a lot of tutorials on is GMS. It's another synth. Uh, it's another great plugin. Um, as far as like effects plugins, uh, you know, just your generic, like, I mean, it's the same plugins that everyone uses: reverbs, delays, uh, the, Compressors, the 30, all that. yeah, yeah. All that stuff. I mean, it's all basic stuff. The fruity delay three, uh, it's a new delay plugin that FL Studio came out with fairly recently. Um, that plugin's super dope. It's it's got a lot of really cool features. Uh, you can actually do like bit crushing effect with it, and oh, like I mean, it's got yeah, it's got a bunch of cool stuff. Um, trying to think of some other other ones that are kind of unique and cool. But when 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 you say like lifetime updates, does that include like the VSTs and stuff to come with it, like new yeah. sounds and all that kind of stuff too? Yeah. Oh, yeah, okay. and, and ImageLine is constantly, like, I mean, they're coming out with new plugins all the time too. So they just came out with a new plugin, which actually this should have been what I just thought of when about that question. Uh, but there's a new plugin called Destructor, which is like a combination of like all their distortions from every plugin that they have all inside one plugin. And then it's got like a filtering plugin, a chorus effect, and then also like some sort of like amp cab effect. So it like emulates like a, a guitar cabinet and then it has all these different modes that you can mess with. So that's really cool for sound design. And that's all within one plugin. Yeah. Oh, yeah. that's crazy. Them, yeah. You can like stack them and then you can turn them on or off. And I mean, it's, it's really cool. So like they have a lot of cool, cool features like that. A lot of cool plugins. Cool. What, what, what kind of rig do you have that you feel is optimal to run FL studio? Do you need like a beast computer? Do you, can you get something kind of like entry level? Like, what do you suggest for people who are just starting off and they want to buy a PC to run FL Studio? Yeah, I mean, these days, I think pretty much anyone can get started with anything. Uh, it's going to be a little bit annoying sometimes if you want to, you know, do a lot of sound design using like Serum, like a lot of instances of Serum or some of these other like super heavy CPU intensive plugins. Mm-hmm. Um, if you do tend to use more of the stock plugins, FL Studio is pretty good about CPU usage on those. Mm-hmm. So that is another added benefit of using stock plugins. Um, but then there's there's other workarounds as well. So I mean, specifically specs, spec-wise, uh, if you go onto the ImageLine uh, website, it's imageline.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have like the exact specs of like the minimum requirements that you need. I, I couldn't tell you like right off the top of my head. Uh, the, the computer that I have now is pretty powerful, but the only reason I got that is for video editing mm-hmm. um, for, for like the tutorials and stuff. So, I mean, I've used way, way less uh, machine 
previously and been fine. And you can freeze out tracks. So I mean, there's a couple hacks to like free up CPU if you're using a kind of a, a not as good of a computer. Um, mm-hmm. So I mean, I've got I've got tutorials on that on the channel as well. So, awesome. Yeah. So uh, before we jump into like more of your YouTube stuff, I just wanted to talk a little bit about workflow for um, you know beats that you create and just music in general. So tell tell everyone how you kind of like start a song and the process of uh, getting it completed. So it kind of depends on the genre. Uh, these days, I've been doing a lot of like pop and hip hop type stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, so generally, I'll start with the chord progression. And that'll kind of give me a vibe. Um, or I, if I wanted to go more of like a, a sampling type route, then I'd like find mm-hmm. a loop or something that I really like that, you know, inspires me. And from there, I'll usually create like a melody or I'll just go straight into the drums, uh, create a little drum loop. Um, pretty much I do, I, I do actually kind of have a weird workflow within FL Studio, but I don't want to necessarily get too like in depth in that because mm-hmm. uh, you guys probably won't know what I'm talking about anyway. Since <laughs> I don't think either of you use FL Studio. What do you use, Ableton? Yeah, and then yeah, and, and I'm a Logic Pro Tools guy, and, and okay. we always keep tally on everyone who comes on the show, like what DAW they use, what programs they use. Yeah. So I mean, we we went into this episode knowing that you use FL, and that's what your whole you know YouTube channel is about. But yeah. um, we've been getting a, a pretty good mix. I think we actually got our first maybe Cubase maybe just maybe yeah. episode or two ago. Mm-hmm. So uh, we have to do the official count, but it's, it's FL's up there. Yeah, man. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of people use FL now. I mean, it, there was a time, especially back when I started with FL where it was like kind of, uh, I guess people hated on it a little bit and people <laughs> thought it was like, cause it was called Fruity Loops for a while. And people yeah. just had this idea that it was just like, not really that good. Um, but yeah, I don't think that name helped the branding that much. Nah. <laughs> Definitely yeah. not. But uh, does dude, FL still stand for Fruity Loops, though? I mean, as far as I know, it does, but it's not called like straight up Fruity Loops like it was, you know, in the beginning. It's just um, FL. They yeah, still have their little FL. Pepper logo, though, right? Yeah, it does have the yeah. Pepper logo. Um, I don't know. I mean, FL Studio is just as good or better than you know any DAW out there these days. All DAWs are pretty much you know. They, some have their strengths and weaknesses, but for the most part, they all do the same thing. So. Let, let's let's dive into a little bit of the history of it real quick. Um, I know you were mentioning FL5. That's when you guys started on it, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, at, at, uh, just kind of guessing. It's on like 10 or 11 right now. What, what version is it on right now? Uh, it's actually on version 20. Oh, 20. Jesus. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, but, cool. But, but what happened? Okay. So actually they skipped a bunch. So it went FL studio 11 then FL studio 12. And then instead of FL studio 13, they came to FL studio 20. And that was, that was for the 20 year anniversary that they did. Mm-hmm. So they went ahead and released like a new version. So I don't know when they release the newest version, I don't know if it's going to be FL studio 21 or if they're going to go back, back to like 14. Yeah. <laughs> right. I, don't know. I guess they're doing, doing FL studio 21 or Maybe they'll keep like the year anniversary thing. I don't know. What but. what 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 version was it that you felt like it made its biggest leap? Uh, well, so I wasn't even really like paying attention to FL Studio like that back then, because um, it wasn't until I started doing my YouTube channel that I really realized how amazing like the stock plugins were and mm-hmm. started actually paying attention to you know the updates and that sort of thing. Um, so as a user. Uh, I think that the the biggest thing that I can say 
that I remember is when they, when they went from FL Studio 11 to FL Studio 12, they mm-hmm. like completely redid a lot of the GUI stuff and like a lot of the synths and stuff got new skins and everything like looked way more professional and way nicer. Um, so that was probably the biggest thing from just like that, you know, the average person not really paying attention. Like that was, that was pretty cool. Uh, kind of took some getting used to like re relearning some things with the program, but ultimately mm-hmm. I, th- that was a big, big step up for, for image line, I think. What, what, what's your thought about when they decided to uh, allow the Apple users to join the party? I think it's great. Um, so the only reason they didn't previously is just because of the type of code that they were using. Okay. Uh, so for the longest time, they were using a code that was like not compatible with Mac. And mm-hmm. they finally got around to like, I guess, updating that to a different language. Or I, I don't know exactly what they did, but they did it in a way where, you know, they were able to... Uh, bring Mac users on board, which I think is great. Um, it's only going to be good for ImageLine and FL Studio. So Yeah, definitely get mm. some more customers. Yeah. Right. <laughs> um, so I know you were saying you kind of didn't want to jump into this because we don't really know much about FL, but um, what is the workflow like in FL and what about FL do you like with the workflow? Okay. So yeah, I guess going back to the workflow question, I never really finished answering that. Um, so again, th- this question's difficult for me to answer because I don't know other DAWs. So the mm-hmm. only workflow that I really do know is my workflow. And mm-hmm. um, my workflow is a little bit different than a lot of what a lot of people do with NFL. Uh, so for example, FL Studio has a channel rack where mm-hmm. A lot of beat makers, what they'll do is they'll they'll do all their drum processing inside the channel rack, and they'll basically just come up with a loop. Uh, this is how I used to do it, like when I first started. Um, now what I do is I do pretty much everything within the playlist so that whenever I get to the arrangement part of everything, it's mm-hmm. already in the playlist, and the arrangement goes a lot quicker, and I can kind of do arrangement while I'm making the beat, like while I'm putting everything together anyway. Hmm. Um, so you have to use the channel rack a little bit within FL Studio, but mm-hmm. I use it mainly to just import instruments. And then, uh, you know, from there I go into the piano roll. And then from there I bring everything directly into the playlist. And then the playlist is where you kind of structure everything and, and do the arrangement and that mm-hmm. sort of thing. Um, so slightly different workflow within FL, but I, I prefer it that way. Also, another thing that I do that's kind of unique is... Uh, I'll bring like any drum samples, anything that I know that I'm not going to bring into the piano roll. I'll mm-hmm. just bring directly into the playlist. And mm-hmm. in FL, when you do that, you get like an actual audio waveform view of what's going on mm-hmm. uh, inside the playlist, which helps with, um, I mean, the way that I do my side chaining, it helps with, and it helps with, like, it helps with a lot of things. Because uh, that way I'm not limited to only seeing MIDI, which I don't know how it is in, in Ableton, like if you have an audio yeah. versus MIDI view. But with the MIDI, it's only lines. And then with, with audio, it's, you know, actual waveforms. So yeah. I prefer to work with audio when I can. Well, I mean, that that's a big thing too. I think with every DAW that's used is like, do you use MIDI or do you use audio? And I, I think there's certain times that makes it easier to use MIDI or audio. I, personally, I use MIDI a lot because I'm used to seeing the lines and like I feel like I have more control over it. But um, I, I think it is cool to have audio because you can actually see the waveforms and you can get really specific on the phasing and everything. And Exactly, yeah. Yeah, so... But and yeah. not only that, but like another cool thing about 
working with audio as opposed to MIDI. So obviously there are going to be some instances where you kind of need to work on MIDI. If like, for example, you had to change the key of your track and, you know, mm-hmm. once you've rendered stuff into audio, if you're changing the key of your track, you're going to be uh, losing quite a bit of information and it's going to sound, you know, more lo-fi, I guess, for lack of a better word, uh, which can actually be a kind of a cool effect if you're, yeah. if you're wanting to do some cool sound design type stuff with that. Um, but, you know, MIDI can be good for, for that type of scenario. Uh, but, but I mean, you know, that kind of, I guess, brings me to the point. One of the reasons I like working with audio is because you can really mess up the audio, do some crazy stuff, like stretch stuff out and just like... Like resampling type things? Yeah, like resampling yeah. type stuff and just mm-hmm. do all sorts of fun stuff with an audio. And so, FL makes that pretty easy? Is that pretty intuitive? Yeah, it's super easy within the playlist. You can literally just like hit... There's a, there's a button where you can hit stretch... And then you can mm-hmm. just stretch stuff and, and you know, line okay. it to the grid, do whatever you want, want with it. So, do, so do you, cut, use, any, cut super do you use any uh, external uh, hardware, like any MIDI controllers or keyboards, or, or do you just kind of click and put things where you want to put it? Yeah, so for the longest time, I just, like, clicked and did everything within the DAW. Um, right now, I do have a MIDI keyboard, which is actually not technically, well, I mean, it technically is a MIDI keyboard, but it's not like a, a normal one that you'd hear of. Um, it's the Casio uh, CDPS100. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you guys have ever heard of that, but it's like an 88 key, full, oh, wow. full like weighted big, keyboard. Big boy. Yeah, yeah no, it's, it's legit. It's like an actual keyboard. Um, so this is what I've been using for a while for like my MIDI keyboard. Uh, and it's really helped me with, you know, the more realistic, like if, I, if, you know, if I'm, if I'm starting a track, and actually playing out a chord progression, trying to come up with like, you know, some, some sort of key that sounds more realistic. Mm-hmm. Having the MIDI keyboard is like, I'd say not imperative, but it's, it's a huge added, added bonus. To so, that. so when you start to compose like different chord progressions or melodies, do you usually quantize your uh, MIDI after, or do you just kind of leave it how it is when you play it? <laughs> I rarely quantize. I mean, if I was going to quantize, then I probably wouldn't use my MIDI keyboard. If yeah. I'm using my MIDI keyboard, it's because I want that realistic vibe. Mm-hmm. Um, and if I if I mess up on the performance, if if you know it's a little bit too sloppy, then instead of quantizing, I'll just manually drag it like a little bit more in, but like still off the grid, just mm-hmm. so it still has that realistic vibe, but it's it's still got the the real live played feel. Okay. Okay. I need to start doing that, man. <laughs> just quant. What, what, what about drums? I mean, you quantize the drums and kind of yeah, leave the yeah, drums. Drums are always yeah. Drums are always quantized. They're always snapped to the grid. Um, mm-hmm. However, it, depending on the genre, so like lo-fi, for example, uh, lo-fi a big you know one of the common techniques that you'll see producers do. They'll take like the hi hat loop or something like that and like bring it behind the beat to give it that mm-hmm. groove. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, so like things like that, I mean, and then you can do that with the kick drum too. And, and depending on the genre, I mean, there are times where you're going to want the drums to be a little bit off, off of the grid. Um, but for the most part, I mean, especially with like pop and EDM and stuff like that, you pretty much want your drums on the grid all the time. Right. Mm-hmm. That's something I noticed with, uh, just lo-fi in general when trying to like DJ lo-fi is like, yeah, you the ki- <laughs> dude, bro, it's impossible. Yeah. Like the people that can do it, uh, rhetoric who was actually on uh, the podcast he is a fucking killer lo-fi mixer like it is insane but yeah it's super difficult because those uh kicks and mostly the snares are kind of like all over the place and it's really hard to 
get that mm. mix into another lo-fi track that is also off grid in a weird way. So yeah, it definitely mm. makes it not easy for the DJs, but I, I really, I've, I've never actually tried mixing lo-fi before like that. I don't think, um, but I, I definitely love producing lo-fi. I love listening to lo-fi. I mean, it's one of my favorite genres to produce just from the point of view of like not having to think about mixing and, and mastering. I mean, the whole, the whole idea behind it is it's, it's low fidelity. So, you know, you want it to sound a little bit bad. I mean, there's obviously you want it, you want the mix to be solid and like sound good within the realm, but like you don't have to have to worry about that side of things as much. So it's kind of cool. Hell yeah, man. No, that's definitely why I like it as well. And too, like the songs are two minutes or less. And uh, if, if you make, yeah, it's, it's good marketing. Cause if you think about it, people at home are listening to music that is chill, lo-fi, and then it's two minutes. So you're getting plays like nonstop. But yeah, man, um, let's jump into your YouTube channel a little bit. So what made you want to start doing YouTube um, instead of like performances and production? So uh, a few reasons. One of the main reasons was that within, so when I started Another Monster and I was doing like EDM stuff back Mm -hmm. in the day, um, I felt pretty much boxed into like a specific genre well not not like i didn't do one genre but i did you know a couple of genres and that was my sound that was like i was within this sort of box mm. and i really wanted to branch out and like experiment with other genres for one um and i i knew that if i created a youtube channel and if i did it in a way where i could experiment with new genres have fun with that but i could also do tutorials and stuff like that then uh, it would be like a, a combination of actually being able to have people search for certain things and I could potentially just organically build uh, an audience that way. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was the combination of, of wanting to not be boxed in anymore, uh, experiment with new genres and just kind of do my own thing. And I was also in this weird place where like I didn't want to release any music because I didn't feel like my productions were like quite as good as I wanted them to be. Yeah. Um, so I think all producers go through this this place where at some point, you know, they get good enough to realize that they're not as good as they want to be, but they can't, they're not quite to the level where it's like their mixes are, you know, like fully polished, 100%, like radio ready, like, you know, super solid. Um, and in that case, I mean, some people, you know, like some of the big producers, for example, will not necessarily worry about that. They'll have like a whole team of people who are like mixing their tracks and mastering and doing all sorts of stuff. Um, but back in the day, especially I, I very much felt like I wanted to, to master it all and do it all myself. Um, so anyway, I'm going off kind of on a tangent, but no. uh, basically I, I didn't really want to release any music cause I didn't feel like it was good enough, at least like not on Spotify and I like not, not like official releases. Um, so I figured YouTube was like the next best thing. I could still make music. I could still like record it, uh, put out videos once a week. And, you know, if I put that deadline for myself, then it was, it was still like getting my music out there, but I didn't feel like the pressure of, you know, it having to be perfect and like spending so much time on the mix and like all the, all the extra stuff. So, Mm. so if someone wanted to, you know, start a YouTube channel, what are like the first couple of steps that you suggest they go through before they start? Uh, I would say there are no steps. I would say just start doing it. Um, mm. because to be honest like with that. you, yeah, to be honest with you, like the first few video, like the first six months of videos that I did 
were trash. And like, I mean, it took, it took a while for me to get comfortable on camera. It took a while for me to like, you know, find like figure out how to edit videos properly. I mean, there's so much involved that you, when you, if you don't even know, like before you get into it, you don't even know what all is involved in it. So the best thing you can do is just start doing it. Mm -hmm. And it's even better because you're not going to have an audience yet. So you can still put stuff out. Uh, you like, two years down the road, when you look back at all that stuff, you're going to want to delete it all anyway. So um, just get started. Yeah. <laughs> get started yeah, start I, I think, I think that's what holds most people back is like, they don't get started because they feel like when they start, everything has to be perfect. Absolutely. Yeah. You know? And there's yeah. no way that when you start, it's going to be perfect. It's, it's nah. just, it's just no way. I mean, even with this podcast, me and Zach, I mean, every episode, I feel like we're getting better, but it's a learning experience. And, and we grow from it and we just try to come up with ideas to make the next episode better. So, um, so getting started, I, I, I love that piece of, uh, of advice. What are some of the, uh, trials and tribulations you had to go through when you first started your YouTube channel? So when I first started, uh, probably for the first six months to eight months, close to a year, uh, I like, I mean, was barely growing at all to get any sort of traffic I had to post. So I, I joined a Facebook group. So this is something you can do if, if you're interested in like starting a YouTube channel, join mm. some Facebook groups, uh, get on Reddit. Uh, there's tons of places, tons of resources out there where you can like join groups. If you are going to get on Reddit, make sure that you read the rules of like the subreddits and stuff. Um, you don't want to just start like promoting your stuff. Like if, if the subreddit is not cool with that, mm-hmm. um, cause they'll, they'll, you know, you can get, you can get hated on for, for doing stuff like that. Will they um, be able to like block you or kind yeah, of make your account inactive? Or? They, they could, they could potentially do that. I think, I think the moderators could, but, um, well here, I'll tell you a story. So, uh, there's, there's a subreddit that I was involved with. Um, I'm not going to name the name, but, was- <laughs> but, but, uh, like it was one of the ones that I posted in sometimes it wasn't an FL studio. So I post in the FL studio subreddit, like pretty much every time I do a tutorial, mm-hmm. sometimes it gets a lot of upvotes and like when it gets enough upvotes, it just automatically goes to the top. Oh, cool. Um, so when you do that, like if you get enough upvotes and, and, you know, let's say like 200 upvotes or something like that. I mean, that's like an extra thousand ish views on your, on your video. Huh. So it's like, like free days. boosting almost. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah, cool. So that, I mean, it, it potentially, I don't know. I've got mixed feelings about whether or not it's good for the YouTube algorithm. We can, we can talk about YouTube algorithm stuff in a little bit, but um, anyway, long story short. So another subreddit that I posted on occasionally back in the day, uh, one of the videos that wasn't, a, one of, it wasn't related to FL studio. It was just like a, a production, you know, I think it was like three, it, it had something to do about, um, I was talking about like acoustic treatment and like, you know, using span and reference tracks and, and basically how to get better mixes and some of the more like overlooked things that people don't realize that you kind of need, or at least need to think about. Um, but I posted that video on there and, you know, instantly started getting like a bunch of hate on it. People were like, well, actually, so at first it got upvoted a lot. So it got upvoted to the point where, you know, it was like taking off. And then like a couple of people jumped in and were like hating on it and like, why this is like shameless self-promotion, blah, blah, blah. Like it's against the rules, et cetera, et cetera. And the thing was, so I had, there had been tons, there are tons of people in that subreddit who post like tutorials and stuff all the time. Mm-hmm. And I had done it in the past and like never gotten any hate or anything. Um, so because of that, I, I guess I hadn't really, really like fully read the rules of the mm-hmm. sub. 
And so mm-hmm. I just assumed it was cool. And uh, so anyway, I started getting a bunch of hate and I was like, dude, why are you, like, why are you guys hating on this? Blah, blah, blah. Um, they were like, you know, take this down. And I was like, I'll, you know, why would I take it down? Like, you know, this is helping people. And they're right. like, nah, this is just self-promotion, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, okay. Uh, anyway, long story short, ended up getting a bunch of like, like I, I had this reply, um, had, you know, which was like a bunch of people were like downvoting, which was like a very well thought out, like, you know, nice reply. Like I wasn't being a dick or anything. And um, even had a couple of people like jump in after the fact who were like, dude, I don't understand why people are downvoting you. Like you're being very respectful. Like this, you know, like doesn't make yeah. any sense. It seems like you were trying to help them. Like yeah, just, it, no, just like, exactly. hey, here's something that's helpful that I think is interesting. And they're right, just the like, people can learn from. Yeah, but yeah. dude. Well, no, that's, ex- that's exactly what it was. But you have, to, you have to understand, I mean, what I think happened <clears throat> is somebody just got up off, off the wrong side of the bed or like, you know, they're having a bad day. And uh, I don't, I don't even know. Yeah, I don't, I don't even know if they were like a moderator or what exactly. Um, but I guess, you know, it, it's one of those things where like somebody says one thing and people are like, yeah, <laughs> I feel like being a dick too. And then like everybody just starts uploading it. Um, either way, I mean, I'm, you know, it is, it is what it is. Moral of the story is be careful. You know, if you are going to use Reddit as a place to post, um, just make sure you read the rules beforehand. I ended up deleting that post uh, mm. just because it wasn't worth, you know, like it was getting more negative feedback than positive and i was just like eh, it's not really worth it so well, was your was your my, my bad zach i, I, I was gonna ask uh um was your youtube channel geared towards tutorials from day one or was there any part where you maybe pivoted your direction yeah no so from day one i actually was doing a mix of tutorials and uh uploading like beats and stuff on there so in the beginning, I was doing a lot of different stuff, which was kind of all over the place. Um, and then back then, <clears throat> excuse me, back then, some of the tutorials I was doing was like very much, um, you know, super, super short, like simple type tutorials. Uh, nowadays, my tutorials are, are generally a lot longer, I'd say on average between like, I don't know, eight minutes and 20 minutes, something like that. Hmm. Uh, um, yeah, so I, I, yeah, I was looking at your, I was looking, I'm, I'm, that's what I'm doing right now is kind of going through your, your channel here, which is like a lot of great information. So that's why I wanted to see, like, for someone who wants to start a YouTube channel, do you have to know like, okay, this is what my channel is going to be about. Um, is it okay if you kind of pivot? Did you see anything happen when you were like starting to change your channel a little bit? So, yeah, so there's, there's a couple things. Um, number one, like I said, you know, what I, what I said initially still stands that it's best to just get in. Uh, yeah. Being able to pivot is definitely a good skill to have. Uh, and it's, it's a good idea to always be sort of understanding what your audience wants from you. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, you can do surveys, stuff like that to kind of figure that out in the beginning. It's really difficult, uh, because if you don't have any sort of audience and you don't really have anybody who's like, can give you feedback and you don't really have that, like you, like in the beginning, I mean, going back to what I was talking about before, uh, before I got off on the Reddit tangent. So in, in the, in order to get any sort of views to my YouTube channel, I'd, I'd have to rely on like Facebook groups, Reddit, like basically external sources other than YouTube. Mm-hmm. And for anybody who's starting off with YouTube, it's going to be the same thing. Uh, unfortunately, the way YouTube works now is you have to have at least a thousand subscribers. And I think it's 4,000 hours worth of watch time 
before you mm-hmm. can get monetized. Um, oh, wow. and, and before you get monetized, YouTube is never going to recommend your videos like within the YouTube algorithm mm. um, because, and I don't think they're going to rank them very well either because they're not making money off your videos if, if you're not monetized. And that makes so, sense. Yeah. So, so you got to like, work super hard in the beginning to really get to that yeah. point. Mm-hmm. Now, is it is it one or the other, or do you have to have both? Is it the hours that you need to hit, or is it no, the... No, you got to have both. You got to have at least 1,000 subscribers, and then you got to have the, the watch time. Um, so what actually, what happened with me, I lucked out because I was like, you know, struggling, struggling, struggling for a really long time. Um, I don't remember exactly how many subscribers I had, but it was definitely under 1,000. Mm. And uh, I had been doing the channel for about eight months, I think, give or take. Uh, and I reached out to a guy who, um, I mean, s- some people might know who he is, uh, in the mix, yeah. uh, he, Michael from in the mix, he runs a yeah. really, really successful YouTube channel. Um, so I reached out to him on his discord and basically just seeking advice if he had any sort of pointers for, you know, what I could do to, to help grow the, grow the channel, et cetera, et cetera. So we ended up setting a meeting and I talked to him, like we ended up talking for like, I don't know, like four or five hours or something. Wow. Um, super cool guy. We like really clicked and he basically was like, uh, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about doing a video in the next month or so where, you know, I want to shout out some, uh, some of my favorite YouTube channels and I'll, mm-hmm. well, how about okay. I just include you in it? And I was just like, that doesn't make any sense because he just met me. He like, hasn't even really watched all my videos. Like, I don't know. It was just, it, it took me by surprise. So I was kind of skeptical and I was like, okay, I mean, obviously that'd be amazing if you, if you want to do that. Um, but you know, I didn't really expect anything. I was, wasn't really like holding my breath counting on that, but sure enough, months later he did that video and that was the boost that I needed to like, you know, get over that thousand. I think I actually got like, I don't know exactly how many subscribers I got from him, but probably like after a, a week or a couple of weeks, I was at like 3000 subscribers. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So he, that was a big boost. Yeah. That's um, a huge boost. Yeah. yeah that's that was, crazy. yeah, that was, that was huge for me. And that was, you know, I guess another, another thing you people could consider doing if they're starting off is like reaching out to, to, you know, trying to collaborate with people and just trying to get involved with like, you know, people in the community. I don't know. I mean, I feel like that was really lucky for me. Mm. Um, just it was kind of a situational thing like michael's a super nice guy and uh, like i've gotten to know him i mean we still keep in touch sometimes but um that's just kind of how he is as a person is he's willing to do stuff like that Uh, not everybody's going to be like that um and it's it's, so was there any go ahead so so i'm just i'm just trying to write notes down for our listeners so collaboration right um get started like just regardless just get started Yep. Um, and then uh, you have to hit the minimums if you really want to make some money off of it, I guess. Um, and then when you did get that jump in subscribers, was that any extra pressure added or did you change up your workflow? Did you put out more videos? Like what happened once you got that boost? Yeah. So, I mean, he, he actually gave me a bunch of, bunch of tips more, more than just the shout out. Um, so that was really valuable too. You know, he, he got me kind of gave me some behind the scenes as far as like how YouTube works and some things that I could do to make my tutorials better and that sort of thing. Um, so as far as, as far as the, the monetary thing, like making money off YouTube, um, I wouldn't, <clears throat> excuse me, I wouldn't necessarily get into YouTube trying to make money, uh, 
especially in the beginning. I mean, that eventually that might happen, but like, you know, even now, how big my channel is now, I'm I'm coming up on what am I at? Like nine, cl- close to nineteen. Close to nineteen, yeah. Um, yeah, so, yeah, eighteen yeah. point eight. Yeah, I mean, I make a little bit, but it's not that much, uh, and I'm not really, you know, that's not like I'm not trying to make money off of it. So don't don't get into YouTube trying to make money. Um, I think you'll be disappointed, but. Uh, <laughs> But yeah, it, uh, what was the question? I'm sorry, I'm getting off on a tangent again. No, 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 no. What, what you're saying is good. I was just saying once you did get that boost um, from collaborating, um, did you change up your workflow? Were you putting out more videos? Like, hey, I got more eyeballs watching my content now. Yeah. Yeah, no, for sure. Uh, yeah. So I, that from then on out, I, I felt a lot more pressure as far as, you know, making sure that the tutorials that I was putting out were uh, as good as they could be. Uh, I actually went from... I, I finally got on like an actual schedule, um, which was, you know, recommendation of Michael. Uh, mm. So what he recommended that I do was do tutorials once a week. Uh, reason for that, a couple of reasons. One was so that I don't burn out. Um, mm, so okay. that's, that was a really good piece of advice because, you know, you, the YouTube game is all about longevity. Um, it's, mm. You can burn out quick <clears throat> if you're, I mean, you guys all know as creatives, yeah. you know, if, if you're working too hard and too much, uh, it's really easy to get burned out. So if you set a schedule for yourself where you're doing like one video a week, uh, that's a pretty, pretty doable schedule long-term. And that's what I've been doing for like the past, I don't know, clo- close to two years, I guess. Well, wow. at least, at least a year, at least over a year now at this point. Um, but either way, yeah. So I, I started doing videos actually twice a week for a while after that. And I was just really pushing, really grinding, pretty much spending all my time on YouTube um, or all my free time at least. Mm. And uh, eventually it got to the point where it, it just, I wasn't able to keep it up. And that's when I was like, you know, I'm going to take Michael's advice and just go, go do one, one video a week. Um, and so, yeah. And going back to like, by, keep in mind, I did all this with uh, at first, you know, no camera. So I, I, for a while I was using like a webcam, uh, for a wow. while I was just using my phone. Um, only recently in like the past couple months, I've been able to like actually upgrade to get like a, a, a nice camera. What type um, of camera did he get? So I got the Canon M50. Cool. Um, oh, nice. The mirrorless, mirrorless camera. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I, I've been really happy with it. It's, it's super nice. Um, it's a really, I, I think it's a popular camera for like a lot of vloggers and stuff. Um, yeah. <clears throat> but I've pretty much only been using it for, you know, in the studio, but has, has that switch helped you, um, with views as well, just like with quality and stuff? Um, yeah, I mean, it. I, I don't know if I've necessarily seen, uh, uh, like I haven't checked out my analytics very, very carefully to know if it's helped out with, with the viewer ship. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's definitely stepped up my quality. Uh, it's definitely helped like in the peace of mind realm. Like, I feel like, you know, it, it was a big, big step up for me as far as quality goes. Um, so yeah, I, I think ultimately it's going to be going to be big. Um, the thing about YouTube, which the way I kind of think about it. And I think if, if, if for anybody who is interested in getting into the YouTube game, um, I kind of think of it as like, every time I post a video, there's, it's like putting up pieces of real estate on the internet. And mm. there's a chance that one of those videos is going to do well. It's going to get into the YouTube algorithm and then it's going to like rank and it's going to, you know, over time, it's going to accumulate a lot of views. Um, and that's the, I mean, the reason I've been able to grow the channel as much as I have now 
is number one, there was one video I did, which I mean, took off in the YouTube algorithm. Um, that I've, I've gained a lot of subscribers from that video. Uh, but then there's also several videos on there where it's just like number one ranked for, for like people who search for that. Um, mm. So, you know, people, people will subscribe to the channel because of that. So every time you do a video, you have a chance of, of having a video like that. That's, you know, people are going to search for it in the future, maybe a couple years down the road. Um, whereas other platforms like Instagram, for example, you know, you put, post an Instagram post and it's there for like a couple of days and then it's and then gone. it gets pushed under. Yeah. 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 So it's kind of like, I mean, that's, that's the thing that I love about YouTube is um, at least right now in 2020 and it has been for, for many years uh, you can post stuff and it's, it's going to stay relevant inside the YouTube algorithm for a long time. Mm. So let's talk about um, titles and thumbnail creation. What do you do for that? And what do you suggest for um, other people um, like when starting their thumbnail creation and title creation, what should they be looking out for um, to create good titles and thumbnails? So I use a plugin. Uh, it's called TubeBuddy, I think. Hmm. TubeBuddy? Yeah, yeah TubeBuddy. Go ahead. Yeah, look that up and make sure that I'm, that I'm uh, saying that right. It's an app? Yeah, you can, it's like a browser extension. You can add it on. Um, but, but basically you can integrate it with your your YouTube and then it has some features. Uh, so one of the features that it has is like a keyword explorer feature and you can go, yeah, you can go in there and, um, basically type in titles that you think are going to be, you know, related to your, your idea, your concept, and then you can kind of tweak the title and it'll rank your title based on like how well it'll rank. Uh, for your channel inside this, the YouTube search. So that's then, I mean, cool. that's, yeah, that's basically what I use. I don't know, to be honest, how effective it actually is. Um, but it's what I've been using for the past couple of years to, to kind of help me out with creating good t- titles. Um, keep in mind, I mean, I don't know. It's, it's tricky. Like one thing that kind of sucks about YouTube is that you have to create, I don't want to say clickbaity, but like you have to create titles that people are going to want to click on. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Clickbait is like, I mean, technically clickbait is like you, you make somebody click on something and then your content's like crap and it's, yeah. it doesn't not even to related to what the, yeah. 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 So, I mean, in that sense, obviously you don't want it to clickbait, but like you want to come up with titles that relate to your video, but that are, really intriguing to people and make them want to click. Like for example, the title of the video that I posted that did really well in YouTube um, was like, you need these 10 free VST plugins. Mm -hmm. So it's like, you know, people are like, Ooh, I need these. And then they want to click on it and see what the video is about. And then Mm -hmm. it's just like 10 free VST plugins that I use and that I like. Yeah. Um, And then I, you know, in, inside of that, uh, in the description, I, like included timestamps. I included links to all the videos. So, you know, I'm setting up the video in a way where it's like, as like even somebody who's not like, they they might hear the first uh, plugin. And then I'll mention, you know, you can check out time, like check out the timestamps if you want to skip over a plugin or something like that. Um, So even if they already know about one plugin, they can go into the description, skip to the next plug in or whatever, you know, they can Mm. skip around the video. I want to make it as easy for anybody who's finding the video to like, you know, be like, Man, this was get an the awesome information piece. that they're looking for. Yeah, exactly, and and mm-hmm. be like, I appreciate this guy for like you know getting straight into the tutorial, giving me timestamps, giving me links to all the free downloads, et cetera, et cetera. So just try and give as much information like 
you know, as possible. Does, awesome. does it matter? Does it matter which day you upload? So, okay. So yeah, this is another piece of advice that Michael gave to me, which he said that, uh, you know, he obviously has a much bigger sample size than I do. Um, but his, the days that have been working for him are every Saturday. Mm-hmm. Uh, usually people on the weekends are more likely to be on YouTube. And, uh, if you set a schedule to do, uh, only one video a week, then Saturday is a good day to do it. Uh, the only problem with doing it on Saturday is that means you're going to be competing with a lot of other bigger creators who are also releasing on that day. Cause it is, you know, a common, like that's a, a common day for people to release on. Um, but you know, inside, inside of our niche, uh, inside of like the the music production type tutorial type niche, uh, there's not really a whole lot of competition. So, you know, I think Saturdays is a good day. That's so what really, I'm doing really like depends on what your months. niche is and, uh, you know, how yeah. big that group is. Yeah. Awesome. Mm-hmm. So do you do any uh, playlisting? And if so, what are the benefits of that? Well, hold on. Should, do you want me to answer the, the rest of the question as far as like the thumbnails? Oh, yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah, yeah because we kind of skipped over that. I talked about titles. Um, as far as thumbnails go, so I've got Photoshop. Uh, I do all my my editing in Photoshop. I do it all myself. Mm. Um, one thing that I've, like when I first started doing thumbnails, uh, I did more of like the... Okay, so I'll give a couple tips. A couple things you can think of. Uh, look at other other popular YouTubers and like other popular videos and videos that have a lot of views and like you can get ideas for thumbnails from, it doesn't have to be inside the music niche. It can be like just anything on YouTube yeah. um, and kind of see what's like popping off like currently, like what, what, what thumbnails are like good at the moment. Um, so that's one thing that I kind of keep an eye out for recently. I've kind of developed a little bit different, uh, you know, I've, I've been going a little bit more professional uh, with my thumbnails. I mean, you can go look, you can go back and look at like all my thumbnails and kind of how they progressed over, over time. Yeah. And like my recent ones, I've been trying to, to make them look a little bit, um, maybe less colorful, like more professional and just, uh, they're more uniform. I'm looking at them now. They're, they're, they're high quality professional. They're pretty uniform. Yeah. Um, when I scroll down, I can see the colors or more colors. Um, I mean, has that affected anything? And what was, what's the, so I, again, I don't know. I don't think I really have a big enough, uh, channel yet to really do like split, like AB tests with thumbnails and stuff. And I don't, I don't know that like, I'm necessarily going to go that route. Um, right. I just don't really, I don't know. I'm trying to give out like information. Like, I, you know, you like, I, I like doing YouTube, but I don't, it's not like, my job or something like that, where, you know, I'm trying to maximize the most out of, out yeah. of everything. So they um, have a B uh, split testing for thumbnails. No, not really. I mean, what you have to do is you have to like, uh, I forget exactly how you'd have to do it, but basically you'd have to test out one thumbnail one day and then switch it over. And then like, basically keep an eye on your analytics and see mm. like the click through rate and that sort of thing. And it's just like, I don't care that much about all that stuff to, yeah. to do that. So, um, I'm sure that, if you did care about that stuff, uh, you know, you might be able to, to figure out what thumbnails work better. Um, but I'm pretty happy with my thumbnails. I think that they're, they're clickable. So, oh, yeah. so what, what, what if, what if someone wants to get a good looking YouTube channel like yours here, but they don't know how to use Photoshop? It's easy to learn, man. Just 
get on YouTube, watch some tutorials. <laughs> I mean, like everything you can get for free nowadays. Like that's the thing. Um, I mean, except for Photoshop, obviously you got to pay for that. That's only like I, 20 bucks a month, right? I pay, I want to say it's only 10 bucks a month. Oh, really? I think, was, I think I could be wrong, but I think I, it might be 20. It's either 10 or 20. Maybe Premiere is, is 20. Maybe yeah, it's different. You, yeah. If you upgrade, I'm pretty sure I just own Photoshop. And it, I think if you only own Photoshop, it's like nine a month or nine ninety nine a month or ten to ten dollars a month. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you have like a bundle, I think it's more expensive or like a couple of different ones. Um, so but do I'm you, not hundred percent sure on that. I have a bunch of different uh, like monthly things that I pay for, so I don't remember. So do you have like templates within Photoshop that you can just go to and kind of adjust a little bit? Yeah, I do for like my Citrus tutorials. I have like the same template that I use for pretty much all of them. And then I just kind of adjust, you know, the text and the colors and stuff. Mm. Um, But for most of them, I just, I make them from scratch. Um, They're pretty simple. It's usually like a background of FL Studio, uh, which I'll, you know, blur out and then add some text on top of and then add some sort of like, you know, either an image of the plugin that I'm talking about or, mm. you know, so, something that relates to the tutorial. Um, okay. So, yeah, it's pretty much the same formula, but I usually do it from scratch. It usually takes me about 20, 30 minutes to make a thumbnail. That's not bad. Yeah. Cool. Um, so jumping into playlisting, is that something that you do? Playlisting? Yeah, like, do you create a playlist for your channel or, like specifically for citrus let's say you have a citrus playlist and yeah for sure what are the yeah, so, benefits of that too yeah so okay so when it comes to playlists yeah i do i mean for organization purposes on my channel i have everything split into playlists um that way like if if somewhere to someone were to go to my youtube channel and they wanted mm-hmm. to like go i guess i forget which tab it is i guess it's the homepage tab or whatever um yeah. where they can actually see all my different uh videos organized. So mm-hmm. I have like FL Studio tutorials, sound design mm-hmm. tutorials, uh, Citrus sound design tutorials, GMS sound design tutorials. Um, mixing your, biggest, tu- your biggest playlist is the music production tutorials. Okay, yeah. So my music production tutorial. Yeah. So I have a bunch of different tutorials. Um, I don't know if there's necessarily any benefits to having just, well, I guess maybe the benefit is that YouTube will recommend other videos inside of that playlist mm-hmm. more frequently. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I think that might be, um, I know for a fact that if you were to create a playlist that was like, um, it's been a while since I've done this, so I forget the exact term, but basically let's say that our, I, I've done this like for a synthwave uh, series that I did a while back where I had my initial synthwave tutorial and then I had like a couple other sound design tutorials, which was like how I made those sounds inside the synth synthwave track that I that I did. Mm-hmm. Um, and I set it up in a way where it's like this is a series playlist. I, I think that was what it's called. It's like a series playlist. And so what that does inside uh, uh, YouTube, it allows you to actually like the next video inside that playlist will will pop up automatically when they're done watching that video on your on your channel, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So like, so if, so if you're watching my channel and mm-hmm. you watch my synthwave tutorial video, automatically yeah. the second video in the series is going to automatically pop up next. 
context. Mm. So, so that's huge. If you, you know, if, if it's in a playlist, now, if it's not in the playlist, then the next video can be random. Yeah. It has to be the series playlist too. Like there's a, there's a, a feature inside YouTube where you have to like actually go in and check mark like a little box that says like series playlist, but mm. it won't let you do it. Like you can only, you can only add, um, the video into one playlist if you're using a series playlist. So like, for example, a lot of my videos I'll put into like multiple playlists. So if it's like a, if it's like a, a citrus sound design tutorial, I'm putting it inside my FL studio playlist inside my citrus playlist and inside my sound design playlist and whatever other playlist. But if you want to do the series playlist, it's got to only be in the series playlist. So, hmm. okay. so, so you got to make that decision. That's just yeah. like a good way to, keep the videos rolling and get more views. Cause if, yeah, but, if someone but I will say, I will say this though, sorry to cut you off. No, you're good. Uh, one thing, one thing I've noticed though, is that like, if you are doing series type videos or series type tutorials, people will be really interested in the first video. And then you'll start, like, you'll see, if you look at that series, I'm talking about the Synthwave series is three videos. The first mm -hmm. video has a bunch of views. The second video has like way less views. And the third video has like even less views. So originally when I started doing that series, I was like, <clears throat> I can keep this, I can keep this going for like, you know, five more or more videos. But mm -hmm. then I, I hit the third video and I was getting like way less views. And I was just like, you know what? I'm going to move on to something else because people aren't really as interested in this topic anymore. So, mm. um, and I've talked to Michael about it. He, he, you know, said the same thing where videos, like if he's done series videos like that in the past, it's been the same thing. First video gets a bunch of views. Second video, not as much. Third video, not as much. So it's just, you know, series you might may or may not want to want to go that route. I gotcha. I gotcha. No, it's, it's pretty clean. And, and there's unlimited amount of playlists you can do, right? Okay. Um, real quick, more kind of FL related, but and YouTube as well. Um, with the shift and them making FL available for Mac and PC, your tutorials um, and you using a, a PC, do they translate pretty well over to the Mac world? Yeah, as far as I know, um, the only difference is like, you know, keyboard shortcuts and stuff is going to be like, what is it? So if I hit control, it's command on Mac or something. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So or I mean, Apple. yeah, yeah. yeah. Either, either way. So yeah, right. that's really right. the only thing. Uh, I think there are still a couple of plugins which are unsupported um, in Mac that are, mm. that are like native to FL studio, but it's very few. It's only a couple of them. I don't know off the top of my head. I'd have to go to like the, the image line website. Do you know if they're going to transfer those into the Mac world or they're just like, hey, this is exclusive for PC users? Um, I, well, I think the keyboards are just different. I think that's probably what it is. Well, well, now we're talking about plugins. So oh, I don't okay, know. okay, okay, I, I got you, I got you. Yeah, I don't know the answer to that. I, I would assume that they're trying to uh, make any plugin that is in FL Studio available on Mac. Mm. But right. I, I don't know. I'm, right. not, I'm not like that hooked up with ImageLine. I'm not like on a... Uh, a, a talking basis with them yet so we'll see i'll let Not you know yet. next time we Soon. do a podcast maybe i'll be in with them Hell actually yeah, michael michael just got um he like just got a guru status so he's he's like in their program they have like a, a image line uh youtube uh video to our youtube mm -hmm. channel mm -hmm. he does uh guru tutorials with them so anytime they release like new plugins or like certain features and stuff he's he's on there with them that'd now. be fun well, What's, 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 what's one feature that you are hoping that FL will implement in the future? 
So the one thing, I don't know how you, so I've gotten kind of used to this, uh, but one thing that I, I have heard a lot of people that kind of complain about is inside FL Studio, let's say I'm, I'm working like with, within the playlist and I have like an audio clip, but mm-hmm. I want to I wanna keep that audio clip the way it is and so I've got like a loop going on, right? So it's like copy pasted, but I want to I want to edit the second one, but I don't want to make any changes to the first one. In order to do that in FL Studio, you got to make that one unique. I don't know if that's the same in like other DAWs. Like I don't know how you go about doing that. But like that's you have one to have thing. a separate track, or so what do you mean by unique? Okay, so like, all right, so I've got I've got one audio loop, right? Mm-hmm. It's a guitar mm-hmm. loop, and I've I've copy pasted that same loop to like repeat over and over again inside the playlist. Mm-hmm. And I want to edit, I want to make a change to like one note uh, or like the last couple notes mm-hmm. on the, on the, um, the second, on the second one, let's say, but I don't want that to change on the first one. Mm-hmm. So in order to do that change, I have to make that clip unique and mm-hmm. then change. And is this, is this MIDI or, or, or waves? Is audio. Mm. Okay. So what you change on one section Changes, changes to the whole thing. Yeah, yeah. It changes every it changes every clip on the playlist. So if I had wow. like hundred clips, it would that like that change would change all of those. How is that in Ableton? Like how? Do- so with Ableton, I, I'm pretty sure it's similar. Um, like I said, I work in many more, but uh, yeah. So I'm sure if you dragged it out, it would um, do the same thing, and you just have to like you know chop it there and then switch that note, and then you know copy and paste that little thing across mm-hmm. but yeah I, I i'm pretty sure it's the same as well and logic logic they give you the opportunity to to just edit that one section and it won't affect anything else so i'm I switching logic yeah i think that's what like a lot of fl studio users complain about is not being able to like just edit it without changing all of them without having Mm -hmm. to do the make unique thing i've gotten so used to it see that's the problem i've gotten used to fl studio and like all the things that are annoying to certain people because Mm -hmm. i don't know any better it's just like it's it's just what fl studio it like it's just the way that the software is designed Mm -hmm. so like some of those things that like were a little bit annoying to me at first i've gotten so used to them i don't even think about them like that anymore so yeah um, so go, going on to their website, we had asked another guest on the show a similar question. So I want to ask you, since FL is your world, um, going on their site, just different tiers of FL that you can buy. Um, for someone getting started, what what tier would you recommend? Uh, so I recommend the well, I would recommend at least the producer bundle. Um, mm. Don't don't get the fruity edition. The fruity edition is the ninety nine dollar mm. edition. Um, but right. you can't you can't like record in it. Uh, you don't have full mm. access to the playlist. Um, you just don't have control over all the features. So skip that okay. version. Uh, if you're going to get it, get at least the producer edition. The producer edition is two hundred bucks. Um, right, that's what I'm seeing here. Yeah, yeah. I I personally own the signature bundle. Uh, so mm-hmm. if you plan on doing any sort of work with artists, like any sort of mm-hmm. work with vocals and stuff like that get the mm-hmm. signature bundle because the signature bundle comes with a plugin that's called Newtone and mm-hmm. Newtone is like the equivalent of Melodyne. Do you guys know what Melodyne yeah, is? Yeah. 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 Uh, so, yeah. 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 So Newtone is uh, FL studios version of Melodyne. And it does like all the same stuff. Um, you can get in there, you can make vocals sound like completely natural, but like, like fix the pitch and everything and like get mm-hmm. super in depth. Mm-hmm. Um, or, or make them sound auto tune if that's what you're going for. Um, right, right. But you know, like 
I guess the the bonus of Melodyne is you can get that like pitch correction with with the vocals still sounding natural. So, um, and so then yeah, what's this? What's this? Uh, all plugins bundle that one's nine hundred dollars. Yeah, so the all plugins bundle is just like every single plugin the Image Line does. When you download the dem- the demo of FL Studio, you're going to have access to all the plugins, mm. which is kind of confusing for a lot of beginners because they get the demo version and they're just like. I've got access to all the plugins and then they, they think they're going to like buy the producer edition or the fruity edition and like be able to have full control, but it's not the case. Um, so what happens is if I, so for me, I own the signature edition. So any, any plugins that I don't own, if I were to load them up, it's going to be in demo mode and then I'm not really going to have full access to the plugin. So you can also buy the plugins individually, which I wouldn't necessarily recommend because for example, I think Newtone is like close to a hundred bucks and you can, you know, get tons more plugins. Um, oh, the other big one is gross beat. So gross beat is huge. I mean, lots of people, uh, Beat makers especially love gross beat. And um, that's another one that comes with the the signature edition, but not the producer edition. Mm. So that's another, mm. that's another big plugin to keep in mind. So gross beat and uh new tone are like two big ones. Like right there, that's like, I don't know, $200 worth of plugins that you can get for a hundred bucks just by upgrading to the, right. the signature. Yeah. What is gross beat? Um, gross beat is like, a, a, I don't even know, like, a time editor plugin. Like, I don't know exactly how to explain it, but you guys know, like, have you ever heard of like that halftime plugin? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I have that one. Yeah. Yeah. So gross beat has a, has a feature um, where you can do like time stretching. So you, it has like a halftime feature. So people oh, use cool. a lot for that. Um, it's not quite the same as that, the actual halftime plugin, but it does similar stuff. And then it has like phaser, like you can do all sorts of crazy effects uh, and like weird, weird, like, like, um, scratching like record type effects so like mm. uh kind of like stop, glitches and stuff yeah, like glitches and tape stops and like all sorts of stuff like that so, so awesome. in, in, in order to record someone you have to at least have the producer edition yep so anything so the fruity edition is just making production that's it yeah and even still it's like you you don't even have full access over the playlist oh, um, okay. so gotcha. it's it's not really like I, I wouldn't i would just skip over it i would so i would say like if you're if you're looking at getting fl studio go ahead and spend the extra 100 bucks and get the, the producer edition now having said that one last thing um so image line does allow you let, let's say i got the uh the producer edition and i wanted to upgrade later on to the the signature bundle mm-hmm. um you don't have to like rebuy the whole like you don't have to pay 300 dollars all over again mm-hmm. you just, have to just make the difference yeah and then i think there's a little fee so there might be like 10 or 15 extra dollars that you have to pay for it um for the upgrade but either way it's not like you have to rebuy the whole the whole bundle that's starting from scratch yeah that's nice yeah yeah uh, that's crazy. How, how I know you said that they update for life. How often do those updates come? So uh, pretty often. I mean, they're they're coming out with. So I would say probably like every couple months they come out wow. with a new update. Um, so recently they did an update with, which is what I was talking about, um, with, where they came out with like Destructor. They came out with like New Time, which is a, a like a. a audio like not audio like time time stretcher plugin where you can like um you can do all sorts of crazy stuff it's a feature that a lot of people were complaining about for a long time that you can i guess do an ableton that you haven't been able to do enough like audio warping yeah audio warping. yeah 
Yeah. So they finally came out with a plugin that you can do that in. Um, nice. So that was big. Uh, try to think like, I mean, all the time, dude, like every couple months they're coming out with a new, new that's version. Good. Yeah. 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 That's, 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 that's crazy, man. FL is, it's, to me, it seems like it's grown a lot. It's matured a lot, I guess is the word I kind of want to use for that. Just for the name change alone. You know what I'm saying? It, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. And uh, I think in uh, the urban culture with rap and hip hop, R&B music, um, FL Studio has become way more accepted. Uh, people, I think, will in the past would kind of downplay uh, how serious you are in the music industry if you were using it like Fruity Loops back then. But now, like, you know, FL to be like, OK, perfect. You know what I mean? Um, it's kind of more uh, not industry standard. I wouldn't give it industry standard yet, but it's it's close. It's close. I mean, as far as making beats and stuff, I think it's it's pretty much. I mean, it's it's up there. Like, I think FL Studio is more known for beat makers and and those type of producers. And Ableton is more known for. Um, well, I'd say FL Studio and Logic are more more known for like beat makers and stuff. Ableton is more known for like like producer slash DJ like EDM yeah. type people. Yeah. Um. So like mm-hmm. a lot of my friends. Uh, all used Ableton back when I was in the DJ scene and like doing that whole thing. I had one friend who used FL Studio and like we did a collab and then like a year later he switched to Ableton and was like, I'm, I'm making the switch. <laughs> like I was the only <laughs> FL Studio user like left. Um, so, but but then, you know, people start like, people like Martin Garrix and Brooks and like all these other- Seven Lions. And, yeah, like a bunch of like big name uh, producers started popping up who use FL Studio and- I was surprised, dude. Yeah, it's like, really? You made this in FL? Hey. Well, that's the stigma, dude. dude. People, are, people think like, really? You made this in FL? <laughs> when, you, when you realize like all DAWs are the same. So yeah. it doesn't matter what DAW you're using. It's, it's all about, you know, understanding how to use the plugins and understanding the concepts behind, you know, how to put that together. So. Fun so fact. I know, I know, I know what, I know that what you highlight on your channel is like, you know, use utilizing the most out of the stock plugins, but questions that we like to ask our guests on the show is, do you have any favorite third party plugins? Yeah. Uh, free or paid. Either one. Give me your so, top free, your top paid. Yeah. Okay. So as far as free plugins go, um, Isotope Vinyl is huge. Oh, that's yeah. like, yeah. yeah, that's like the lo-fi weapon, the secret lo-fi <laughs> weapon, I think is what they call it or something. Yeah. Um, so that one's a big one. Uh, just for like sound design stuff. I mean, even if you're not doing lo-fi, having Isotope Vinyl is really cool because you can like, I mean, it's just such a cool thing. It's, it's such a cool plugin to experiment with. Um to just get like interesting sounds and, yeah. and just do something different. So I use it for trap beats. I use it for like pop. I use it for, I mean, even EDM stuff. I use it for like a lot of stuff. Uh, same goes for like, I've got ba- a plugin called bad tape, which is, I think it's like 40 or 50 bucks or something. Um, it's a similar plugin. It's like a lower tiered version of RC 20, uh, which is like, you know, the, the main like record, like a tape emulation plugin that everyone yeah. has. Um, so that's another cool one. Any, any of those lo-fi plugins are going to be super dope for like sound design and just creating unique sounds and like really doing cool, uh, like textural stuff within yeah. your mix. Kind of makes um, it sound more organic too. Just like, yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah. Yeah. So I love lo-fi plugins. Like those are my favorite types of plugins to have, uh, and just experiment with. So definitely if you don't have Isotope Vinyl, get that one. 
Um, another cool free plugin is uh, DBlue Glitch, which these are all plugins that I, I have. You can check out that video that on my on my YouTube channel. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I've got we'll a, put a link of, in the description. Yeah. Yeah, but um, yeah. So Debu Glitch is cool. The only thing with that one is like it's it's a really old plugin, so it's unsupported, and mm. it is glitchy. Um, so it can be known to like make you know crash your project and stuff sometimes. <laughs> I personally don't like. I haven't had issues with it uh, recently, like in the past few years. Back mm. in the day when I used to use it, it used to crash my my system a lot. But mm. now it doesn't really. Is so, that why they named it that? Because they're like, right. it's going to crash your software. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think so. I think it's glitch because of... Use like, at your own risk. Yeah. <laughs> I, think it, I think it's called glitch because it like does a bunch of glitch type effects. So it, mm. has, it has like nine different effects. It has like the tape stop effect, um, like on off effect, uh, like like stutter effects. Um, reverb delay, like very, like a bunch of different effects. So it's is a, it kind of set up like uh, I don't know if you know this plugin, and tell me if I get it wrong, but uh, I think it's Glitch Two or like Glitch One or Glitch Two. Yeah, that's the the newer version of it. That's like the um, paid version of of Debu Glitch. Oh, okay, um, cool, cool. Yeah. So it's kind of set up in the same way where like yeah. it's built in a grid, yep. and you just select like the MIDI base off of where you want it to do that effect. Yep. Exactly. Okay. Same cool. Thing. Cool. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. What about paid? Uh, well, the the pay. I mean, bad tape is pretty cool. Um, if you're okay, so I actually I'm I'm probably going to do a review on this plugin soon. I don't actually have it, but I've heard a lot about it. Um, there's a plugin if you're getting like if you're brand new in production and you're struggling with like chord progressions or the the music theory side of things. There's a mm-hmm. plugin called Scalar Two. Have you guys ever heard of that? Mm-mm. It's by Scalar Two. Yeah, it's by Plugin Boutique, and oh, um, yeah, it, plug-in it looks boutique, really yeah. cool. So it's like basically a cheat code. Um, it lays out all like you can pick a key, and then it lays out like all these crazy chords, and like you know you can just basically like click the chords you want and like plot it out, come up with like all sorts of crazy chord progressions. So it's cool if you don't know theory, but it's also cool if you do know theory and you want to just come up with unique chord progressions that are like kind of out the box of what you would normally play. Mm. Um, yeah. So the that's, price is, the price isn't bad either. That's yeah, good. I think it's like forty bucks or something. Well, that's yeah, not bad yeah. at all. Yeah. Yeah, I'm looking at it. It's pretty cool. Yeah, so that's a cool one. Um, definitely, uh, I've I've got a actually a private student who put me onto that plugin because um, I was trying to kind of teach him some like sound or not sound design like music theory stuff, and he like got the plugin. I was like, dude, this chord progression is crazy. How'd you come up with this? <laughs> He's like, I use Scalar too, and I was like, oh, what? <laughs> and I hadn't even heard of the plugin until then. So, but um, yeah, that's a cool one. Uh, to be honest, like, so I'm not I'm not as big on like in the know about all these, you know, new plugins that are coming out all the time. Uh, I do get hit up by a lot of plugin companies. Um, I don't usually do reviews unless it's a plugin that I like really like the look of it. Uh, mm. And I think it's going to be really useful for my channel. I've, I've tried doing reviews and like those types of, of videos and they just don't do as well on my channel. And I'm not like, there's a lot of things to consider when it comes to, to the channel and analytics. And, and I just, I don't necessarily want to go that direction if people like my audience isn't necessarily interested in going that direction. Mm. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't, I don't, I'm not like super up on all the, all the best plugins, but. No, yeah. I, I think those are great ones, man. I, oh, and I gotta, Serum, of course. Like oh, Serum yeah. is like, I mean, that's the main one. Like if you're if you want to get into sound design and you uh, like, 
I mean, if you have money, it, Serum's kind of expensive. So Serum's like what? You can do a, a, a rent to own though. Yeah, on, on Splice. Uh, Splice, yep. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, so you can rent to own it on Splice. It's like ten dollars a month, and then yep. you, know, you can pay it off in however however many months. And get rid of your Netflix and <laughs> just get Serum. That's all and you just need. Just start sound <laughs> Exactly. Right. Yeah, but the thing the thing I love about Serum is that uh, the GUI is is set up in a way where it's like it's meant to learn sound design. Everything mm-hmm. is visual, so you like change the envelope, and you like. You, you like mess with the attack to case sustain or release. And then there's like a little ball that shows you exactly, you know, where you're playing it and like where it goes. And you can see like everything, any tweaks that you do, the mapping, super easy effects are all like sound amazing, super easy to use. It's just an amazing plugin. So, and you can change your uh, skins based off of like, of, you know, what it looks like too. So that's true. You yeah, can do you that. You can super customize it. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's unique. Yeah. I like that. So, so, I mean, that's, that's pretty much what I got. I know Zach has a couple of final questions for you. Yeah. yeah. So this is a fun one. We like to ask everyone, but um, what is one thing that your viewers don't know about you? It can be personal or not. Ooh, (laughs) my viewers don't know about me. Okay. uh, So one thing that a lot of people don't know about me is that, um, it's kind of personal, but uh, my my girl that I'm with right now also owns a, her own business. So mm-hmm. we're both kind of entrepreneurs, uh, and we're we're both doing our own thing. She does horses professionally. Yeah. So I'm actually spend pretty much like especially since COVID, uh, I've been spending like pretty much all my free time aside from music stuff, helping her with her business at the farm. You know, doing horse stuff, so like mucking stalls, like whatever the case. She you know oh, wow. always needs okay. help with stuff. Um, so yeah, that's a kind of, kind of a unique thing. I don't know a lot of producers who, uh, spend half their time, you know, at the farm all the time. Yeah. Well, we have, we have someone on, uh, on the podcast coming up and, uh, she is obsessed with horses. She has like her own ranch and stuff. So, um, we got to link you guys up. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, do you, do you ever ride the horses? So I've ridden a couple of times. Anna's always wanted to to get me on there to like, you know, ride like, I mean, as much as possible. I think I've ridden like three times in in the past, you know, three years or something. So never got bucked often. off. No. Okay. No, that's good. I haven't I haven't, <laughs> I haven't like I've only like walked trot and that's about it. I haven't done anything no like No jumps or anything? Nah. All right. No. I'm not okay. on that level. You'll get there. Yeah, we'll, we'll start slow. <laughs> yeah. I did think of one other plugin that I want to want to mention. Um, another free plugin that is good for sound design. So, like people who are interested in getting into sound design, um, have you guys ever heard of Helm? Mm-hmm. You know about Helm? Yeah. So that's another good one. It's like an open source plugin. Uh, if you go to the website, I forget the actual website name. I guess it's like you can just type in Helm and go to the the, the manufacturer's website. Um, but they have like, when you're, when you're going to download it, there's like a button. It's like click, like donate however much to like get the plug in, but you can put in $0 and then you can just mm-hmm. download it for free. Um, so that's a, that's a good one. I mean, obviously, you know, if you're, if you're planning on really using the plugin, it might be a good idea to donate a little something yeah, right. the manufacturer, but uh, you can get it for free. And then it's, it's laid out. It's like, I'd say probably the most similar in looks and just sort of feel to uh, serum. That's like a free plugin. Mm-hmm. So I, that's a good one to, for, you know, people who are interested in getting into sound design. And how's the quality of it? 
It's really good. Yeah, it sounds great. Awesome. Yeah, I, I, I really yeah. like that one. So um, what is one thing you do, like this is just for like people that are making music, not, well, or videos as well. Um, what is something that you do to get over creative block? Um, so, okay. So creative block is weird. Cause like for me, I always like, th- there'll be times where for the most part, I usually don't get creative block and there will be like, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll just sort of like have this general sense of like, I guess I don't really ever get creative block. And then every now and then I'll just get into a mode where it's like, it happens. Mm. Um, what I usually do, it, it happens so irregularly for me. I usually just don't try and push it. Just take a break. Um, mm. I don't, I don't try and push through it. I just like, mm. you know, I mean, if it's not, if it's not working, it's not working and I'll just work on something else. Uh, do, you know, I'll be either productive in another way or I'll just take a break altogether and just like, you know, do whatever. Um, cause the, the creativeness like for me, I don't ha- like, like I said, it doesn't happen enough where it's like, I have to push through it in order to like get anything done. Um, cause I know I'm going to get like inspiration in some way, whether it be, you know, me hearing a new song or mm-hmm. just like sitting, you know, next time I sit down, it's going to like happen, like whatever the case may be, however the inspiration comes, it's going to come again. It's just a matter of like, if it's not there at that moment, just, I don't, I don't try and push it. I just walk away. Mm. Okay. Yeah. yeah. A lot of people yeah. have been saying that lately. Yeah. That's don't a, that's force the it, man. One. Yeah. <laughs> Go that's outside, good. take a break from your dark room. Mm. Like yeah. <laughs> Go ride a horse or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> and that is one good thing about the farm life is I'm definitely outdoors a lot, which is nice, man. I, I feel bad for people who are just like stuck indoors all the time, you know? I uh, don't feel yeah. bad for me. <laughs> <laughs> Um, what else you got, Zach? All right. So who is one YouTuber that you would love to collaborate with? Uh, I think Ed Talenti. I'd like collaborating with him. He, I've, dude, I've been a big fan of Ed Talenti. I don't know if you guys have heard of him, uh, but mm-hmm. he does more of like the, the like vlog type, um, you know, be making tutorials. He uses Ableton actually. Oh, cool. So, mm-hmm. Yeah. So he's really cool. Uh, but I, I found him, uh, I found his channel through uh, a video. It was like a Simon Servita video with, um, they did like the, the, they copied like the Andrew Wong. Have you guys ever seen the Andrew Wong, like four, four producers flip the same sample? Challenge? Yeah. 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 Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Super dope. So they, they like copied that same format and they did it with like beat makers. So they like all flipped like uh, a beat and did like, you know, there was like a boom bap one. Um, I forget. I forget all the different genres that they did, but I, I found like Ed Talenti through them and I've been following him ever since. And I like his, I just really like his energy and his like video format. Super awesome. So hmm. what yeah. type of video would you guys make? I don't know. Whatever, man. I don't care. And <laughs> you're like, I just want to hang out. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, that's good. Um, and do you have any more questions? If not, I can uh, wrap it up with this last one. You're yeah, yeah. I, I I was just drawing a blank on the questions and I knew you had them in front of you. So I was like, no, go, yeah. go for it. Um, uh, cool. So just to wrap it up, uh, what is one major piece of advice you would have for an artist, producer, or anyone that's trying to get into the music industry, um, just in general? So, okay. So one piece of advice, um, 
think outside the box. So like, for example, what I did with YouTube, um, a lot of people, like I, I was very much in this, in this like frame of mind where it was like, you know, in order to make it in the, in the music industry, you had to follow like a certain formula. So for example, as a producer artist, I had to become a DJ. I had to get into the DJ scene. I had to go that route, how to do the touring life, uh, et cetera, et cetera. So like, I thought, you know, for a long time, that was the only way to like make money or like make it in the, in the industry. Mm-hmm. Um, so what I'm doing now is obviously very different than that. I, I decided, you know, I think there are other ways. There, there are a few reasons I didn't want to pursue that route. One, I didn't really want to continue going with the um, touring lifestyle. It was just not really, you know, what I wanted to do long-term. Um, I do love obviously producing. And I mean, that's, that's my main like love and passion. Um, but I also like helping people and, you know, doing the YouTube channel was like the perfect sort of way to combine that and do something different and like actually build my own audience, not have to rely on anybody else, not have to worry about touring and et cetera, et cetera. So, um, even though YouTube is like my main platform right now, uh, you know, I do have, uh, a website. I have a couple sample packs. Uh, I plan on doing more sample packs in the future. Not as I haven't been able to do as many as I'd like, just because right now everything's all on me, and I'm doing everything myself. And you know, things take a lot more time than you would think a lot of times. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But anyway, long story short, uh, just think outside the box. There are tons of other ways to make it in the music industry other than just becoming like a producer DJ or a beat maker or, you know, whatever the case may be. Um, so get creative, do something, do something different, you know? Love it, man. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's some good that's advice. Good. What's, what's the, what's the name of the song that you got for us? Uh, so the song that I want to show you guys is a song. It's, it's not technically a song. It's like more of a beat, uh, technically cool. like a beat with a hook. Um, it's mm-hmm. with this, this artist that uh, I've been kind of, kind of collaborating with recently uh there it's actually a duo so it's two guys and they're called cook sushi so <laughs> the song is called the plan um so the first half of it is just instrumental and then they're on the hook and i think it's pretty dope so cool and before we play that uh tell everyone what your uh instagram handle is and your website as well so they can give your uh packs a check uh check out your packs and all that as well for sure. Yeah. So if you want to check out my website, um, I actually have a couple websites. So my main website with my sound packs and all that, that's another monster productions.com. Mm. Um, so that's like all my, my, my YouTube stuff, all that stuff is associated with that website. Uh, I've got all my YouTube videos on there. Um, and then I have like other resources, a couple of free sample packs, stuff like that, an ebook for mixing. Uh, cool. so definitely check that stuff out. Uh, I've also got another website called anothermonsterbeats.com, which is actually kind of a work in progress. Like I said earlier on in the in the um, podcast, that I'm still kind of working on building that side up. I mean, it's it's live, but within the next you know six months, I want to like redo everything and like have that be its own little thing. Uh, so that's for artists if they want to purchase instrumentals or like services, very various things like that. You can check out that website. Um, so that's anothermonsterbeats.com. My Instagram handle is at anothermonster1. Awesome. Uh, and then my YouTube is, uh, well, you can just search Another Monster Productions and I'll pop up in YouTube. Yeah, man. I typed it uh, just a couple hours ago and you popped up right away. So super yeah. easy to find on there. Well, dude, thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate you. Yeah. 
So we got Zach, we got DC, we got another monster in the building. We got the plan that we about to spin right now. I need y'all to go listen to it, download it. I need you to do everything. Go to his website. I need you to go to his YouTube and learn YouTube University, you know, with the tutorials. And thank you for coming on the podcast again. Let's go. Peace. Peace, dude. Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah. I got a million started a van. I put the ice on my wrist because I can. I'll spell it out if you don't understand There is no plan after the plan I got a million started a van I put the ice on my wrist cause I can Plan after the plan